Hey, good morning, Veritas Church, Iowa City, and uh, man, welcome Veritas Cedar Rapids. Uh, thanks for letting us kind of invade your space and your homes right now, and for uh, tons of friends, family all around that might be uh, joining us, right, for the very first time. We're glad that all of you are here. Um, I want to start by just saying, let's, let's just point out the elephant in the room. This, this is weird for all of us. Um, You've never welcomed me probably into your home to uh, watch me on your television or iPad or phone or whatever device. Um, I've never spoken to a completely empty auditorium, so we're kind of all in this together trying to figure out the best way to stay connected, but man, I'm so grateful that we're able to. Um, There are a lot of people experiencing firsts right now, a lot of people waking up to a day that is full of unknowns, and how am I going to navigate this, and how are we going to do this, and um, I just want to say I'm really grateful that we've got some arts guys and tech guys that have been able to make this possible, Uh, but man, I I also just know that um, there's people who really don't know quite what to make of this day. Um, Many of you listening in, uh, watching right now, you're trying to think through your week even of, man, how am I going to make these decisions and, and, and new factors being thrown at us? So this is our moment to just take a breath and have maybe an oasis of peace, um, some wisdom to come at us from the word, and, and just to take a deep breath. In fact, I love Psalm 23. If you're part of Veritas, Iowa City, we went over this a few weeks ago and uh, rediscovering this old friend of Psalm 23 was, was just enriching to my soul. But I love this part of Psalm 23 where it says, He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. And again, we talked about that phrase, He renews my life. The Hebrew actually lends itself something more closely to, He brings me back my breath. And I think in a very real way, what the Hebrew poet David is saying is, he lets me take a breath. He lets me catch my breath. So that's actually what we're hoping and praying for, for these moments together, is that we'd be able to like catch our breath and hear from God. Um, there's a dark valley coming, just like in Psalm 23, a lot of unknowns coming down the road. But for this moment, let's, let's take a deep breath, okay? And let's, let's hear from God. So with, with that in mind, I just want to read over us a couple of passages to maybe even settle us in a little bit for this moment, settle us into this awkwardness, and even give us um, ears to hear from the Lord. Um, I believe that His Spirit is wanting to say things to His church that perhaps we wouldn't have learned in any other way. We wouldn't have had our ears tuned to him in any other way. So maybe this remarkable moment is, is a supernatural one for all of us to have ears to hear what he has to say to his church. So let me read first from Psalm 28. And you can follow along or you can just close your eyes and let these words wash over you, whatever you prefer. But here's, here's what the scripture says. Blessed be the Lord, For he has heard the sound of my pleading. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. 
Therefore, my heart celebrates and I give thanks to him with my song. The Lord is the strength of his people. He's a stronghold of salvation for his anointed. Save your people. Bless your possession. Shepherd them and carry them forever. Oh man, I, I, I love the way that that verse just paints that picture of the, the shepherd that we'd even carry us, right? Carry them forever. One other passage, uh, this one from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. The Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, here's what anchors us. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So Lord, in these moments, that's, that's who you are. Lord, you are the Lord of armies. You are our stronghold. And so I pray, Lord, would you meet us in this kind of awkward place? Would you meet us in this place of, of questions and fears and unknowns? Um, Lord, in a supernatural way, as only you, as only you, Holy Spirit, can do, would you meet us here? And would your word become just like a beacon of light into this dark place? Would it show us the way to go, lead us and direct us, and even at times carry us, Lord, when we need you most? So we lift you up, and we lift all this time that we're going to have together up to you, Lord, for you to bless it and enter into these moments with your blessed presence. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so Veritas, Iowa City, we're going through a series where we're listening to these ancient sages uh, from the Old Testament, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. We're going to venture beyond that a little bit this morning, but there's a couple of things, I think, uh, from those, those ancient sages, the wisdom literature books that I think are pertinent. And I want to start uh, by hearing from the book of Proverbs and the first I guess, thought that I want us to meditate on this morning is from Proverbs 15. And what I think it's going to tell us is that we need to, right now in these moments, listen to people who know more than we do. <laughs> okay? One of the, I guess, nuggets of, like the breadcrumbs on the path to teach us how, how to navigate these, these uncharted waters, how, how to go down a path we've never been down, is first of all, we should listen to Psalm 15 where it says, plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Let me read that again. Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I like the way that Eugene Peterson uh, translates that. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. <laughs> um, what I think God is, is calling us to, church, is to listen well to good counsel and good advice. 
Um, there's an old adage, it's not actually in the Bible, but it's an old adage that I think uh, we, we'd be wise to listen to as well, and that is, you know, that we have one mouth and two ears, right? Maybe your mother said that or your grandmother said that or something. You know, you've been given one mouth but two ears, you know? So in other words, twice the capacity to listen, and right now in these days, I think we need to listen well. One of the things I've discovered uh, is that I'm not a virologist. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure I know how to say or pronounce virologist. I'm, I'm having to really focus every time I say that word because I'm not even sure I'm saying it right now. So here's, here's the reality. If I can't even pronounce virologist, I shouldn't try to sound like one, right? I need to listen to the brilliant men and women out there, the virologists, those medical professionals, those researchers, um, who actually have something really important to say, and I need to listen to them and take their advice and listen to their counsel and close my mouth and listen well in these days. Um, and here is what I'm hearing from those virologists, those researchers, those medical professionals. Um, they are saying, even the most brilliant of minds, that there's a lot about this virus that they don't know about yet. There's a lot about treatment and and ways to prepare the public for this virus that, that they're still trying to figure out. Now, they're making ground every single day, and, and they're doing unbelievable work. But here's one thing that across the board, all of them are asking of you and me, and that is they need time. They need time. They need time to do their research. They need time to do their work. They need time to help the rest of us prepare for what's coming our way. And that is literally about the only thing that I can contribute to their work is to give them time to slow the progress of this virus. Um, I think of it as almost in, in a warfare kind of uh, scenario. In other words, during warfare, there are times that, that units of military are sent in purely to just hold back the enemy. Okay, they, they are actually taken in to hold back an oncoming enemy, not to make ground, not to take over, not to win a war, often not even necessarily to win a battle, but just to give the people behind them time. Maybe it's to get innocent people out of the way. Maybe it's time to prepare for the inevitable onslaught. Whatever it is, the enemy is going to be coming and units are sent in just to stall the enemy out. What I'm saying is I believe that that's what we can do for those researchers, for those experts, for those medical professionals is give them the time that they are asking for because they are trying desperately, working very hard to find protection and treatment, especially for the most vulnerable I'm saying, that's what they're saying. Let's listen to them and do whatever we can to follow their counsel, their advice, and give them, give them time. So let's, let's listen. Let's not fail because we're refusing to listen to good counsel. Um, I just want to say as a postscript, and, and then we're going to get back into the scriptures here, but uh, Veritas family and, and those who are listening in, um, I just want you to know that we are we are likely never going to be 100% convinced that we're making the right decisions along the way as we try to respond and react to the different things coming our way, okay? In fact, there's going to be times that you're going to um, maybe disagree with us. You're, you're maybe going to point us to other leaders or other organizations that are doing things differently or making different decisions. And honestly, we completely respect that and acknowledge right out of the get-go get that you might be right but I do also want to pledge to you that 
our task right now and the thing that we are committing ourselves to is to listen well to the right voices and to make the best choices that we can. And along the way, um, we might get it wrong or we might even make a right decision and it becomes wrong because of new things coming in at us all the time. I do want you to just be patient with us as we seek to respond. And I'm really asking, honestly, would you please pray for your leaders? Pray that we will listen well and then speak well to give guidance to the rest of our church family. Uh, We're in there trying desperately to listen well and then to speak well. So um, these Proverbs are really huge and important. They're like screaming off the page to me right now. So listen to people who know more than you do. That's what I'm seeking to do. I, I trust that that's what you're going to be doing over these next days. The next piece of, of wisdom that I think we can gain is also don't listen more than you need to. <laughs> okay? So we start off saying, hey, listen well to good, good counsel, good advisors. I also want to say don't listen more than you need to. Um, Friends, be informed, of course, be informed. You need to be informed. But don't fill your day just listening to every talking head out there. Um, I want to take us to an interesting voice of of wisdom uh, for, for this particular point of trying to tune out some voices that will maybe clutter our minds and keep us from hearing the most important counsel, but that voice is, is from the book of Ecclesiastes. And um, I, want, I want you to hear these words. Toward the end of Ecclesiastes, you get to chapter 12, and he says, so remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come, and the years approach when you will say, I, I have no delight in them, before the sun and the light are dark and the moon and the stars, etc." He's saying, before that day of calamity, before that day where all of a sudden things just seem dismal and dark and you're ready to throw in the towel, before that day comes, remember your creator, remember your creator. And then these are the final words that he gives us in this chapter. But beyond these things, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books and much study wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this, Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Um, once again, I think Eugene Peterson nails the last uh, couple of verses here where he translates, uh, translates it this way. The last and final word is this. Fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. <laughs> I just love the like terseness of that and I think he captures well what Solomon is saying there. At the end of the day, fear God and do what he tells you. That's it. The reason I bring up uh, Ecclesiastes right now is, guys, I am certainly not advocating for ignorance, right? Anybody that knows me knows I, I would never ask you to just put your head in the sand, don't listen. No, listen to wise counsel. That first point stands from, from the book of Proverbs. I'm also saying, though, the number of voices out there, there is no end to that. What, what, what Solomon refers to as the writing of many books, there is no end. What I'm saying is the number of pundits out there, the number of voices coming at you, the number of people trying to get your attention and tell you all sorts of things so that you can repeat them. You know what I heard? You know what I heard? I'm saying, um, listen to wise counsel. But friends, 
if every morning the first thing you do is run frantically to your phone to see what news has come in, to turn on the TV to see what's come in, to just whatever, um, you might be wearying your soul and your body. Learn to fear God. Learn to grab your Bible first. Learn to, to know that whatever this day has for you, whatever is about to unfold, whatever unexpected thing is, is coming your way, your soul needs to be anchored in remembering your creator. It's to remember just to fear God and do what he tells you so that whatever comes your way, you're prepared in your heart and your soul. Grab your Bible first. I know that just sounds so simplistic, but I think in these days we need some simple language to us. And that's why I jumped into Ecclesiastes. Fear God. Do what he tells you. That's it. Don't ignore your Bible. Don't ignore hearing from God in these, in these moments. I think we need him desperately. We need his voice to tyrannize our souls, preparing us for whatever other voices come our way. Okay. The next word of wisdom is, um, and we're going to get maybe increasingly more personal, more soulish with these. So this one is this, do listen for the voices of the vulnerable. Just talked about who maybe not to listen to, those clamoring voices. And that leads well into what I'm saying here. Listen for the voices of the vulnerable. So our neighbors, whether those are family members, people in our community, our own neighborhood, or people from around the globe, strangers across the ocean, uh, they may need our help right now. And if we're filling our ears with the clamor of either the, the voices out there or even just hearing ourselves grown on and on about our own woes through this thing, we may not have ears tuned in to hear the voices of the vulnerable who really need us. Um, there's actually a passage, not from the Old Testament books of wisdom, but from the New Testament um, that I want to bring for this point. It's in the book of 1 John, and in 1 John 3, here's what we're taught. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. And we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Uh, church, this is the time to really be the church, especially for the needy, especially for the most vulnerable among us. So through the ages, God's church um, has tuned in to simple words like what we're learning from First John. This is not hard to understand. This is basic kind of Christianity 101 language coming to us from, from 1 John 3. And he's saying, it's not enough to, to shout, I love you from the mountaintops. No, love for the Christian means to follow the way of Jesus and to actually lay down our lives for other people. Um, Christ followers through the ages have tuned into that and have actually put themselves at risk, put themselves in harm's way in order to help the most vulnerable. Now, I want us to think historically how this has worked. So think back uh, to the time of, say, the Holocaust. I want to think in dramatic terms, in times of like the Holocaust, real and imminent danger. What did many Christ followers do during those days? They put themselves in harm's way by protecting the vulnerable, by protecting those who would succumb to the evil that was coming at them all. They would put themselves in harm's way. I even think, you guys, of, of leper colonies. 
So especially in medieval days and beyond, all, all the way up until uh, even in this last century, um, there would be communities who would see what they perceived to be leprous people, whatever disease they had, they kind of classified as lepers, and they would push people away, push people away. Do you know who started caring for those who were pushed away from culture and society? Christians. It was Christ followers that opened things like leper colonies, places where even those with, with contagious diseases could flourish and be cared for, and Christians would put themselves in the midst of that in order to help. Now, again, I'm saying don't be foolish. Uh, listen to wise counsel, but especially if you are somebody in good health, if you are somebody that all of a sudden knows that there is someone in need around you, um, don't withhold compassion. Don't withhold love that is in action and in truth. And in fact, express Christian love. Express the love of Jesus Christ by sometimes even putting yourselves out in order to help somebody who's, who's really in need. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, instead of, you know, clocking someone at Costco to get your 36 rolls of toilet paper, right, maybe you should take some of your toilet paper to your neighbor that didn't get to Costco or whatever. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm saying we got to get really specific about this and think about what is a Christian response to these things. I'm saying we don't know what these days are going to, to bring us. Are there going to be single working moms that need childcare? Are you going to be able to help out in some real tangible ways like that? Are there going to be out-of-work families that, that need help buying food, that need help with their, their rent, whatever that is? Are there going to be school-aged children that would have been fed at the schools who now maybe need us to have some drive-up lunches to be able to pass up? These, these are all just ideas that I don't know what's coming our way. I'm just saying, church, let's be prepared to actually offer love in the midst of this fear in action and in truth. Let's be the ones that step into danger, some of us with wise counsel, but let's be some of us, like a lot of our health professionals right now, frankly, who are actually in there to help others uh, because they really believe Philippians too. Guys, again, in Veritas, Iowa City, we went through Philippians um, 2, beginning of last semester, and we learned that the way of Jesus is to really believe that others are more important than ourselves. The way of Jesus is to believe, when I look around at other people, is to believe that they are more important than I am, and I act accordingly. So let's, let's do that. Let's be that. Let's, let's be the kind of people that tune out some of the clamoring voices and tune in, tune our ears to hear the voices of those in need. The last and maybe most important point, uh, I think, from the scriptures for us this morning um, is to re-embrace our humanity. Re-embrace our humanity. We're going to, going to get into the scriptures, but I was even thinking and, and looking again at the, the Book of Common Prayer. It's not even my tradition, but I sometimes look at the Book of Common Prayer for different prayers and, and uh, liturgies. And at funerals, uh, in the Book of Common Prayer, these are the words that uh, are given. Lord, you only are immortal the creator and maker of mankind. And we are mortal. <laughs> I, I mean, just, I love the simplicity of the truth of the Book of Common Prayer. Lord, you alone are immortal, and then my confession, and we are mortal, formed of the earth, and unto earth shall we return, for so thou didst ordain when thou createst me. 
<laughs> like that's just the way things are. You are the only immortal one. I am the mortal one. I have just been created out of dust and to dust I will return. You alone are immortal. Um, these moments right now when we are faced with the reality of our mortality, when all of a sudden there is grave danger that might touch our physical being, guys, these are really good moments for our souls to rehearse that again, to remember that again. Remember, the Book of Common Prayer has these words going out at funerals, not for the deceased, right? It's for the listeners in the presence of the deceased. We need to remember that God alone is immortal and we are mortal. For this, the ancient words that we're going to look to are from the book of, of Job. Um, our plan right now is in a few weeks to be able to do a, a sweep of the, of the book of Job. I don't know if, if maybe those plans will change, but, but I've been meditating on the book of Job in preparation for that. And uh, at the end of chapter one, some of you are maybe familiar with the story of, of Job. But even if you're not, in, in chapter one, great calamity has happened to this very righteous, very godly man. And at the end of Job chapter one, when a lot of this calamity has already come his way, Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head. He fell to the ground and he worshiped saying, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And throughout all this, Job did not sin nor blame God for anything. Now, you, you read that and it almost seems unrealistic. Like Job, are you kidding me? These unbelievable catastrophes have just come right before your eyes. And this is almost this immediate response of faith. Where do you get that? Is it, is it unrealistic? Is it blind faith? No, no, it's not blind faith at all. I believe his soul was anchored in some deep truths that allowed him in that moment to be able to express what was true and what was right and, and that confession of faith. And later on, it's actually in Job 19, that we get a glimpse into what was anchoring his soul, what was already true of his soul when that calamity happened that allowed him to have the kind of response that he did. And here's what he says in Job 19. I love these words. Here's his confession. But I know that my Redeemer lives and at the end, he will stand on the dust, like he'll stand on this earth. And even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him, not as a stranger. Oh, my heart longs within me. Job recognized this truth that was actually already in his soul back in chapter 1. And that is this, that... Um, he was, going, he was always going to die. Our lives, our mortal lives always have a shelf life, right? We were always made of dust and going to return to dust. And what anchored him is that no matter what would befall him, even his own mortal death, what was anchoring him is that there was a God, a redeemer, who was alone immortal. And one day, that God, immortal, would be able to call us to life and welcome us to that shore where he is standing to, to join him as our redeemer, that's what was ultimately driving him is our hope that there's something beyond this grave. There's something beyond this mortal life. And there is a God who can call back to life that which has already expired, has died, and he can call us back to life. That's our hope. That's our hope. There is a redeemer that lives and he's able to call us 
even back to life should we succumb to death itself. That's our hope. I, like ultimately, please take care of yourself. Follow the advice of the health professionals. Do everything that you can. Um, that's, that's the wise course of action, right? Uh, but you can learn how to do all that from other wise sources, virologists and others who can guide you in the way. Here's what the church needs to be proclaiming. Like, go, go to other sources for better hygiene habits, right? We're, we're just going to repeat back to you what, what we've heard from it. What we can offer to you is the hope of the scripture, and that is the church offers truth. The truth is we are all going to succumb to death. Now, every now and then we kind of get immediate uh, viruses, different things that come before us, and it kind of startles us back to that reality, but, but we should live in that reality at all times, anchoring our souls that we are mortal, right? We have a shelf life. We are dust, and to dust we will return. But then we offer not just that truth, but the grace as well that says we can invite you to know this creator, to have the hope that anchored Job as, as he was. We can offer that same hope to you that there is a redeemer that lives and is going to call you to life, to offer you hope, that there is hope beyond that grave. That is what the church brings to all of us to anchor us back in the in the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a passage again from the New Testament that I want us to end with. And it's from Hebrews chapter 2. And, and I believe this is just the New Testament version of what Job brought us in, in Job chapter 19. Now with the fulfilled story of Jesus Christ um, in, in Hebrews chapter 2 where he says, Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, all of us, we come from the same stock, flesh and blood. Jesus also shared in these. He came and wrapped himself in our flesh and blood. So that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. The author of Hebrews is saying, it's the right thing to be gripped by the fear of death. But that fear of death should only cause us to flee to the one who can free us from that fear and give us the hope of new life. And that hope comes to us not because we, we learn something or that we, we can somehow uh, uh, become victorious in and of ourselves. No, it's because there's a redeemer that lives, right? That has come and wrapped himself in flesh and died the death that, that we deserve so that he could rise again and now look back to us and say yes you too will succumb to death but like I have risen on the other side of the grave I am calling you to life that is truly life a resurrection to life a resurrection to eternal life I want to welcome you home to the shores of the new heavens and the new earth we have hope and maybe maybe this moment this day in fact wherever you are sitting in your living room or wherever is actually your wake-up call to be able for the first time to really embrace that you are mortal, that he alone is immortal, and that glorious invitation that he's saying, I want to give you hope. If you're tyrannized by fear right now, I want to give you hope, and that hope is anchored in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Man, even if this is your moment right now, just begin to cry out to him and just say, God, I I'm afraid. 
And I need to know that there's a redeemer out there on the other side of this beckoning me home. And oh, he longs to welcome you even now. So the, the scripture, man, I just love this book so much and all that it has to offer us. I think it's guiding us well even now in these moments, these uncharted waters. Yet here's these voices calling us, hey, listen to people who know more than you do. That's what God is telling us right now. Listen to people. Don't, don't pretend to know more than you do. You don't. But there are people out there that do and listen to them and honor them and respect them and listen to them. Don't listen to more than you need to. Don't let the clamor of all those crazy people out there uh, grab your attention and seize your soul. Because it might cause you to, to miss the voices of the vulnerable. So I'm asking, let God's word compel us. Listen for the weak. Listen for the vulnerable. And when you hear their voice, act. Show that the love that you have because you're in Christ is a love that is expressed in action and in truth. Be that. Be the church right now. Putting yourselves even out there, even sometimes in harm's way because you believe that other people are more important than you. And maybe again, most important of all, re-embrace your humanity. Just embrace the fact that we all have a shelf life. And God, you alone, you alone are immortal. But you're offering me an invitation to join you. Hear his call and, and receive it. Receive the hope of the gospel. I'm going to ask Dalton actually to join me, and I want us to be able to worship together. Um, but even before Dalton begins to, to lead us in singing, and by the way, when it comes time for singing, if, um, if you want to join Dalton in singing right from your home, wherever you are, maybe you're in a coffee shop, I don't know where you're, go ahead, sing with him, sing out loud, sing with him, let, let him lead you in worship uh, to the Lord. Um, but maybe you just want him to sing over you. And, and let the, the worship carry your soul along. But even before we get um, to that, I just want to lead us in prayer. Uh, even actually our president has called all people across this nation to be a people of prayer. And I, I want to join all of God's people in, uh, in prayer. So uh, will you join me as we pray and then as we worship? Yeah, Lord, you taught us to pray and in moments like this we don't know how to pray and so we come to you and we, we ask you Lord will you teach us how to pray right now and you've already actually answered us pray in this way our Father in heaven your name be honored as holy just take a moment Remember that you've got a Father in heaven. Ask him that, that his name would be exalted even now. Wrap your hearts around this glorious truth that you have a Father in heaven. And honor him. Honor him as holy. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because, Lord, we don't know the way to go very often right now. There seems to be way more questions and answers 
And even the wise counsel that we're looking to are telling us, in all honesty, that there's still questions yet to be answered. And so what we're asking, Lord, would you bring your wisdom down from heaven? Would you bring your your just exquisite and creative wisdom down into the minds and hearts and souls of researchers and medical professionals and help us, Lord. We need your help. We need your help. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow is going to ask of us or the next day or the next month. And so, Lord, we just want to ask that for today, would you give us what we need today? And that includes even words to say to our children or to our parents, uh, to our own souls. Lord, give us today what we need, knowing that we're going to wake up tomorrow and your mercies are going to be brand new and, and you're going to be right there to, again, give us that day our daily bread. Would you meet us in this time? And for those that don't have daily bread, May they suddenly find that they do have daily bread because you're going to use our love in action and in truth to be your messengers. And forgive us our debts, Lord, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, we have made so many mistakes and sinned so boldly. And honestly, it's our it's our default actually to, to just be way more focused on the sins of others and how we've been sinned against. But in this moment, would you bring to mind those times that we have sinned? And it's in confession, it's in repentance that we find hope and forgiveness. And there's a restart in our souls because you forgive us. And people have hurt us. We have been sinned against in this moment, Lord. We forgive them. When we count up the ways that you have forgiven us, we find it almost the default of our souls to be forgiving toward others. So set all those records straight right now, Lord. Would you do that? Lord, we pray you'd not bring us into temptation, but instead deliver us from the evil one. We're vulnerable, Lord, and, and there's a lot of voices and a lot of tempters and a lot of charlatans and a lot of, there's a lot of people even trying to take advantage of the panic going on. Would you protect us, Lord, because... We're actually way more culpable. Um, we're, we're way more vulnerable than we would like to admit. We want to escape temptation. Deliver us from the evil one, Lord. Protect us. Be our shield. Because yours, Lord, is the power. Yours is the honor. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Blessed be the Lord. He's heard the sound of my pleading. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. 
and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates, and I give thanks to him with my song. Let's, let's sing to him, worship him. Join your voices together. Yeah. 
has memory of me. He has memory of me. And I was lost, but now my soul's found its maker. What a price he paid for me. What a price he paid for me. that we were able to have these moments together, right? This oasis of peace and strength. And Dalton, thanks for leading us in worship, man. So needed that. Guys, keep tuned in. Uh, we believe we'll be doing this, this same format again next week. But just keep tuned in as we seek to respond rightly to the different things uh, coming our way. But we definitely want to stay connected and help all of you stay connected to Christ and to one another through this. So for today, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Always and in every way, the Lord be with you all. 